and welcome to Come Follow Up. My name is Daniel Becerra, and this is Barbara Morgan Gardner. As scholars and religious educators, we're always searching for ways to help individuals and families apply the scriptures more deeply in their lives. Here on Come Follow Up, we look to enrich your daily studies of the Come Follow Me resource as we discuss life-changing principles and study the words of the prophets. We hope that our dialogue today can inspire you so that through the Spirit, you can uncover truths, experience new insights, and deepen your personal conversion. Today we're actually talking about Christmas. So we are going to be throughout the entire Book of Mormon talking about how the Book of Mormon testifies of Christ. We'll also talk about how Book of Mormon prophets foresaw Jesus' birth, uh, the visions they have of his ministry and his atonement. We'll even talk about Christ and his ability to help us get through difficult times, especially the dark times. Sometimes during this Christmas season, that's something that we need to take advantage of and use the atonement of Jesus Christ when life is hard. Mm -hmm. We're gonna to try to focus in on three specific things today. Uh, the first is this idea that Christ is the light of the world. This is something that we typically associate with uh, Christmas and his coming into the world. Uh, we wanna think about what it means to have hope through Jesus Christ and how that can sustain us in our challenges. And also explore the different ways in which the Book of Mormon testifies of Christ and how the Book of Mormon has brought us closer to our Savior. And in order to get into that discussion, we have a very special guest with us today, Camille Frank Olson. Uh, a friend and colleague, a very intelligent woman, and we're looking forward to some of your insights today. Fun woman, too. <laughs> She's fantastic. I've actually sat through Camille's a few classes in Book of Mormon and New Testament and just loved every second of it. Well, thank you. It's true, yeah. Camille. <laughs> so no pressure. Yeah. So Camille was a professor of ancient scripture at BYU. Uh, she has her PhD in sociology of the Middle East. Uh, she has done a lot of research, especially on the life of Jesus Christ. She also writes about the early Christian church and has also done a lot of work on, on women in the scriptures, which has been a phenomenal study for me and for many women to be able to read and understand better. So thank you, Camille, for joining us today. Well, thank you. So maybe getting into our discussion, we can start with how the Book of Mormon describes Christ or how Christ describes himself in the Book of Mormon. And often we see uh, him using this phrase, the light and life of the world. My sense is that maybe this isn't literal, or maybe it is, I don't know. My question is, well, what does it mean that Christ is the light of the world? What can that mean? Oh, uh, I think there is something about it being literal. Uh, we read in the book of Revelation, John's revelation, that in the celestial kingdom, there will not be a temple there, mm -hmm. nor will there be any sun, nor any moon, because Jesus Christ is there. Yeah. And, and I think that opportunity that the Nephites had to witness that with the sign of his birth there in 3 Nephi chapter 1 is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I think it's a real live situation that helps us to appreciate a day and a night and a day without any darkness at all. Mm -hmm. I love to go along with the 3 Nephi verses that you just read. I love this one in John 12. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And I think of so often about a, a path that the Lord has prepared for us and the light for me personally that illuminates where I am to go. And it is his light. It is following him, um, but in a path that is specifically for me. His light also works very much, I think, in illuminating our thoughts, our understanding, that we can understand what we could not do if left to our own means. Mm -hmm. Nothing is outside the probability of what we could comprehend. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a powerful witness of light for direction, 
for understanding, and for confidence to follow where he leads us. Yeah, it's interesting that there have been a number of talks about this where you, we don't turn off and on the darkness, but we do turn off and on the light in our lives. And if there is any light, the darkness is, is gone. And I think that that's beautiful what you're talking about with John and also in, in Third Nephi when, you know, there was so much darkness that was taking place in Third Nephi where it talks about it, it, the darkness was so thick it was like a vapor in that time. And I love how Christ, when he comes to the people there in Third Nephi chapter 11, I love how he introduces himself. And behold, I am Jesus Christ, whom the prophets testified shall come into the world. And then, and behold, I am the light and the life of the world. And then he continues to explain, and I have drunk out of the bitter cup, which the Father hath given me. I just love this idea of these people in this darkness and, and this pain and sorrow that they're going through, also having you know, lost so many of their friends and people that they clearly love. And after all this destruction goes through, Christ introduces himself as the one who is the light. And they recognize it, I think, again, not only physically, but spiritually, that he really is the light. With Christ comes light. So I wonder if we could uh, ask our audience, in what ways has Christ been a light in your life? So I, when I think of Christmas time, I always think of service. During that time of Christmas and when we're doing service, I can see that Christ will guide me and my family to like find ways to do service. And um, then through that brings happiness. And like we were talking about with the light, he, I think we can use him and then we become the light when we follow him. And so... Um, we can be the light for other people, especially just during this time where there's a lot of people in need. My family, we try to do the most um, for them and we try to use Christ's light. Excellent. Uh, just a reminder in 3 Nephi 18.24, Christ is talking about and, and asking us in a sense, them at the time and all of us, he says, therefore hold up your light that it may shine into the world. And then he continues, I am the light which ye should hold up, that which ye have seen me do. So he's very clear, hold up your light and then reminder for everyone, I am the light that you're supposed to hold on to. I'm the one you're supposed to be showing to the world. So it's a, it's a good reminder for all of us that when we are trying to show our, show our good works, we're trying to show our light, it's not us that we're showing the world, it's Christ that we're showing the world. Whenever I talk to my students about this, we reflect on this idea that, uh, you know, sometimes there are these images that you're the light of the world or salt of the earth. And, and we can tend to think of ourselves as everybody needs to look to me or something like that. But the sense we get here is not that people's attention should be drawn to us, but rather we should be reflecting Christ. And I'm reminded of a, the words of a fourth century theologian. His name is Gregory of Nyssa. He says, human nature is transformed in accordance with the reflections of its choices. In other words, we become what we choose to do consistently. The person is rightly likened to a mirror gleaming in company with the light that appears in it. And I love this idea that humans are the mirrors, not the light. That we're to be such that, uh, that we reflect Christ to other people or to have that light in us in some way. So actually we have a video that, that speaks to that point. Maybe we can look at that real quick. Hi, I'm Sam Golden. The question I have is regarding shining Christ's light to the world. I love this time of year where the Light the World initiative is going around and there's something we can do every day to help better the world. But I want to know how we take that a step further and are able to show that the light we have is from Christ. I found the church through a couple of friends in high school who I was drawn to because of their light and their happiness. And it was something that I felt I was lacking in my life. And I want to find a way that we can bridge that gap between helping people recognize that they're just good people versus we have the light of Christ inside of us. 
Yeah, that's a great question. If I could paraphrase that, how can we better let Christ's light shine through us? Camille, do you have any thoughts on that? The first thing that came to my mind as I heard her question was King Benjamin and the description of his people in the first chapter of Mosiah that says his people were wonderful at obeying the commandments. And yet by chapter four, after he gives his sermon, the people fall on the earth, down to the earth, and they say, oh, have mercy on me and, and apply the atonement of Jesus Christ as they pray out and cry out to Jesus. I think there is just something about, again, it's holding up his light, but I think you can see where it's very easy to think, oh, we are attracting people to Christ because we are such good examples of living the commandments. But there seems to have, from that, there needs to be something else going on deeper inside of us that we feel a tremendous humility and a tremendous um, need for the Savior that we cannot do it. And any successes that we have had have been because of him. And the only way that we will proceed to do good is because of him again. And so it is, it's retaining that humility somehow that seems to be a major part of that to me. Yes, I feel there's a lot of ways to go about that. Uh, one of the ways I feel that we can help others recognize the light of Christ within us is through our daily example. I had a recent experience in, at a grocery store. I was in the checkout line and there was a lady in front of me who was struggling to keep her kids calm and uh, scanning her items. I was getting a little bit impatient for how long this was taking, but then this other lady behind me went in front to help her out and actually ended up paying for her groceries and was helping her scan her items. It helped me re realize that even in a year like this that's been so dark for a lot of people during this pandemic, this little simple act of service uh, really brought that darkness to light. And I could just see the results of our everyday acts of kindness will really light up the world. Thank you. This has been a fantastic discussion on the light that, that Christ shines and how, to, how we can have light shining through us as well, Christ's light shining through us. How important during this Christmas season, especially that we are reflecting on Christ, but also the, a reminder to continue to, to show forth his light throughout the year as well. So thank you. Let's go to our next topic now, which our topic is going to be hope through Jesus Christ. And this is a continued topic throughout the Book of Mormon, and we'd like to really focus on this. Dan, can you start us off with this topic? Yeah, so one of the questions I have is, what, what exactly are we supposed to have hope in? And if we were to go through the Book of Mormon and write down all the things that the Book of Mormon authors tell us we should have hope in, it would look something like this. Um, we're supposed to have hope for the righteousness of others, hope in Christ, of Christ's glory, of salvation, for things which are not seen but are true, and for to one day rest from affliction. I'm wondering, why do you think hope is so important? A lot of times when we see lists of virtues, you see three primary virtues, faith, hope, and charity. So what is it about hope that brings light into the darkness? What is the value of hope? How has hope been valuable in your life and your challenges? Hope helps us to continue on. I, again, um, this has been a tough year and a lot of darkness and people see that darkness. And if we dwell on that darkness, it takes away our hope. And hope is a way that pushes us out of that darkness and keeps us um, desiring for something better. But without that hope, then we just kind of get enveloped by the darkness. Yeah, and I've experienced that as well in my life. Like the lack of hope tends to 
tends to kill effort. If you feel like there's no hope, you feel like there's nothing to try for, there's nothing to strive for, right? And it's that hope that really keeps you going and, and progressing the way Heavenly Father wants us to, I think. Camille, have any scriptures in the Book of Mormon specifically given you hope in the future or hope in something? I love in Moroni chapter 7 where we're told that hope in essence is a gift from because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. That without Christ and his atonement and the resurrection, we would not be able to hope. It's in him that we have hope. Elder Maxwell talks about the difference between just the hope that we hope that we'll arrive at a destination versus he actually uses the word ultimate hope. He actually says ultimate hope is tied to Jesus and the blessings of the great atonement, blessings resulting in the universal resurrection and the precious opportunity provided thereby for us to practice emancipating repentance makes possible what a scripture calls a perfect brightness of hope. So that idea of Moroni 7 and that real hope for the atonement of Jesus Christ is the kind of hope we're talking about, not just we hope someday that, that we can go to Disneyland. We're talking about a real hope through the atonement of Jesus Christ. You think of that first Christmas in the Book of Mormon, 3 Nephi 1, and they know there's a sign that's supposed to come, but you've got the enemies of the believers who are saying people will be killed, will be destroyed if this day comes and that sign hasn't occurred. And I think of the hope that those believers would have had to have had. And it's, it is a hope in Christ. It is very real. And, and they don't know when he's coming. But he comes. He answered their hope. Thank you so much. We're going we're gonna to go to our video and listen to a question that somebody has, has asked regarding hope. Hi, I'm Adele Wedepa, a BYU-Hawaii alumni from New Zealand. So my question is, how does one continue to follow the Savior and his teachings with hope and with faith when they feel they've lost everything or everyone and can only see darkness ahead? That question is excellent. I mean, it is, there are people that are really struggling, and especially during this Christmas season, you know, people are lonelier sometimes because they recognize when you're, when you're alone in some situation, Christmas seems to bring it in, or illnesses, or death. A lot of those things happen, and in some cases are even enhanced during this Christmas season, which is also a reason, therefore, that we fo focus our attention on Christ. As we focus our attention on Christ, that hope becomes real, and even in the darkest moments, we know in whom we have trusted, and we know in whom we can put our hope or gain our hope from. Mosiah 7.33. It's King Limhi. When do we ever quote King Limhi? <laughs> I, I love it because their darkness is, they're in bondage. But he gives three things. And I think it is it's exactly what you're saying here. Yeah. It is first turn to the Lord with all of your heart and then trust in the Lord. I mean, that seems to suggest the darkness doesn't just fly away because I turn to the Lord in sincere prayer. And then the third one is serve him with all diligence of mind. And in his own time and pleasure, he will deliver us. It, 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 is, it is a hope, but it, hope and faith, you can see them intertwined there so powerfully that we're about doing something for others and helping. Someone mentioned service earlier. It is such a major part of it, it seems. 
We just invite you too. I mean, it's just like Barbara was saying, this is a time of, of the year that sometimes a lot of people struggle. It's not always that the Lord gives us hope directly, but we can be agents of hope in, in other people's lives. So we would just invite you and those at home to, to reach out to those uh, who may be struggling and try to be an agent of hope for them. Beautiful comment. To, to conclude, I wonder if we could talk a little bit more about uh, what you were saying, Barbara, how the Book of Mormon testifies of Jesus Christ. Um, one of the most valuable tools that we have uh, to, to learn about the Savior is the Book of Mormon. And I think Nephi said it best when he wrote in 2 Nephi 25, 26, that we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for remission of their sins, right? I think most of us would, would can testify that that's true. Uh, I'm wondering, how has the Book of Mormon specifically in, in your life strengthened your knowledge of or testimony of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you, this has just happened in the last few years of studying it. Um, I have become much more aware of his name, his name, Jesus Christ. How often in the Book of Mormon do we read to trust in his name? Not trust in him, but trust in his name. And I just keep asking the question, what is there about that? There is incredible power even when we say his name. Now that we've been instructed to use the full name of the church, those nine words can get pretty slurred together and, and cumbersome, or even you're saying, why do we need to do this? But I'll tell you, it has made a difference to me as I think of his name. And you say the name, the full name of the church, and you say, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There is power there, and I, I, don't, I don't know how to completely understand it, but it is true. I think back, it's Alma chapter 33, verse 11. It's Zenos. Alma is quoting Zenos, and he's teaching about prayer. And listen to this. Zenos says, And thou, speaking to God, thou didst hear me because of mine afflictions and my sincerity. Notice he doesn't say, you heard me because I am such a good girl. You, you heard me because I did everything right today. You heard me because I read my scriptures or whatever it, it is. You heard me because of mine afflictions and my sincerity. And it is because of thy son that thou hast thus been merciful unto me. Therefore, I will cry unto thee in all mine afflictions, for in thee is my joy, for thou hast turned thy judgments away from me because of thy son. Um, Baby Sheena, prayer in his name reminds me I have direct access to the Father because of Jesus Christ. And he hears me in those darknesses and in the time when the light is spilling over. His name is powerful, and I see that more clearly in the Book of Mormon than in any other book of Scripture. Yeah, Camille, I was thinking when you were talking about his name and it being Christmas, it reminds me of, of Mosiah chapter 3. When I was a sister at the visitor center, we used to quote this all the time. We would have people coming in from all over. It was the L.A., California area. And we would show videos of Jesus Christ, especially during the Christmas season. But I loved reading Mosiah chapter 3, King Benjamin's talk referring to Christ, especially. Awake and hear the words which I shall tell thee, for behold, I am come to declare unto you the glad tidings of great joy. For the Lord hath heard thy prayers and hath judged of thy righteousness and hath sent me to declare unto thee 
that thou mayest rejoice. And what is he going to rejoice in? For behold, the time cometh and is not far distant that with power the Lord omnipotent who reigneth, who was and is from all eternity to all eternity shall come down from heaven among the children of men and shall dwell in a tabernacle of clay. And then in verse eight, he says, and he shall be called Jesus Christ, the son of God, the father of heaven and earth, the creator of all things from the beginning and his mother shall be called Mary. I just love so much as members of the church that we have these stories in the Book of Mormon that actually teach of this and that refer to Mary for Jesus Christ and, and, and the joy and the spirit and the love and the miracles that we have received are all mentioned throughout the entire Book of Mormon. And just, just this is what the Book of Mormon is about. So I want to ask you in the audience then, what, what scriptures in the Book of Mormon specifically do you love or have been influential to you as, as you have come to learn about and know Jesus Christ? Uh, I have a scripture that meant a lot to me that occurred in my life when things were not going well, was kind of losing hope. And it's in Alma 7, where Alma the younger is speaking to the people of Gideon. And he says, there are many things that are gonna come, but there's one thing that's more important than they all. And that's that Christ is going to come. And it hit me so strongly that there's a lot of things going on in my life, but there is one thing that's more important. That is the most important. Anytime I read that scripture, it gives me more hope and a feeling for, for Christ that he is the most important thing. Thank you, Paul, that was beautiful. Uh, so one scripture that came to my mind was 2 Nephi 26:33 where it says, he invited them all to come unto him and partake of his goodness, and he denieth none that come unto him, black and white, bond and free, male and female, and he remembereth the heathen, and all are like unto God, both Jew and Gentile. So the scripture just makes me remember that in God's eyes, we're the same, you know, like God loves all of us, um, and I'm very grateful to know that. Excellent. So oftentimes I'll read through the scriptures and try to kind of map out Christ's characteristics. Who is he? What, do he do? What, does he do? what does he do? What do we know about his identity? And one of the things I've learned is that Christ overlaps with other people. Um, sometimes he refers to himself as being one with other people. Other times he refers to himself as being in other people, but he's never by himself. To be, to be like Christ is to overlap with one another. I'm fairly introverted by nature and I just, I kind of like to be off by my own. And uh, I recognize that part of discipleship is, is, is reaching out to other people and connecting with them on an emotional level such that, you know, I, I love them enough to mourn with them when they mourn. And I know them well enough to comfort, uh, comfort them when they stand in need of comfort. These are the kind of covenants that we make with God to overlap with other people. Mm. Just one that I can just think of piecing these two together. In his sermon at Bountiful and in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I, I think this is not necessarily saying in the next life or some. I think when we really do have his light in us, we can see God in everyone around us and we treat each other differently because we see them truly as children of God. It is one of the great blessings of having his spirit upon us is to see God. What did Alma say? See his image in our countenances that is reflecting that light. Um, and we treat them differently as a result of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, can you imagine how it would change your behavior if you could see 
with God's eyes and filled with his heart. If you see somebody that you're, you're typically accustomed to look down upon or turn your eyes away from, I mean, that would definitely make you a better person, I think. Yeah. So Camille, thank you so much for being here with us. This has been a fantastic discussion on the Book of Mormon and Christ and how the Book of Mormon can help us come unto Christ. So thank you so much. And thank you to the audience today. Your comments have been fantastic. It has been a great year studying the Book of Mormon together and using the Come Follow Me resource to enhance our study. And we are really looking forward next year to studying the Doctrine and Covenants together, diving deep into that church history as well. And to those of you at home, thank you as well for your comments and questions and insights that you share with us via social media. We'd love to see you in the studio sometime, but if you can't make it, we hope you'll join us next week on Come Follow Up. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.